Welcome to this Jeremy Bamber and White House Farm podcast. This week, we go to a recording of one of our Facebook Zoom meetings with campaign team hosts Philip Walker and Yvonne Hartley. There's a presentation from guest speaker, the veteran human rights campaigner Peter Tatchell. Good evening, everybody, and uh, welcome to this month's meeting. Uh, as always, we've got a busy evening planned with two presentations uh, scheduled. Uh, later, we'll hear from Yvonne on the subject of Jeremy's sentence. Uh, but to start, we're delighted to welcome Peter Tatchell, uh, someone I'm sure who will be familiar to all of you. Uh, Peter has been campaigning for human rights around the world for an incredible 54 years. Uh, during that time, he's crossed swords with some of the most repressive regimes across the globe and has been subject to numerous physical assaults in his pursuit of justice and equality for all. Uh, his inspiring work has recently featured in the Netflix documentary called Hating Peter Tatchell, which uh, takes a fascinating look at how he highlights the many worthy causes that he champions, but also the many dangers that he faces in doing so. Uh, and it is well worth a watch, a, a fascinating program. You can read more about the extensive work that the Peter Tatchell Foundation does on their website. Peter's been involved in the disclosure part of Jeremy's campaign for many years, and his help in spotlighting Essex Police's shameful record of hiding a mass of key material in the case has been much appreciated by both Jeremy and the campaign. So to hear about some of his experiences and some of the lessons he's learned over his many years of activism, I hand over to you, Peter. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure and honor to join you. And I wanna start by paying tribute to all of you who have kept this campaign going, who have spread the word, who have sustained Jeremy, during his long years of incarceration. Uh, it's your grassroots support that is the key to eventually getting Jeremy's conviction re-examined and hopefully overturned. So I think uh, if you will bear with me to give yourselves a big clap, you really deserve it. You're fantastic. So I want to perhaps start by just uh, reprising the involvement that I had in the campaign. Um, I'm probably, I've been doing it for a few years, but probably less so than many of you. Uh, so I'm a relative newcomer. Uh, I want to, again, um, pay tribute to the work you've done many, many years before I came on board. Um, my main intervention has been to try and challenge the police suppression of evidence. That strikes me as one of the most fundamental injustices of this case. Um, we all know that in British law, one of the bases of a criminal trial is that the full evidence is disclosed, that it is examined, there is cross-examination, that it is put under the microscope, and then people are able to make their minds about the person's innocence or guilt. As we know, in the case of Jeremy, masses of items of evidence, hundreds if not thousands of items of evidence, were never disclosed at his original trial or his subsequent appeals. 
this evidence has been, well, literally suppressed, uh, held back by Essex police um, who have uh, decided that they will be the arbiters of what evidence is appropriate to disclose, completely against the basic fundamental principle of British justice that the defense in a criminal trial should have full disclosure of all evidence. So they can assess it, critique it, challenge it, and so on. So about three, four years ago, I wrote to the then Chief Constable of Essex, Stephen Kavanagh, asking him to make a full disclosure. I, I made it very clear that he was not personally responsible for previous withholding of evidence, but he was responsible for the ongoing continuing withholding of evidence. And that whatever he felt about this case, it was his ethical duty, and indeed some would say legal duty, to put right the far past injustice that relevant, important, significant evidence, indeed all evidence, was not put before the courts. Now, I itemized at the campaign's suggestion uh, over 100 items. These were just samples of some of the key bits of evidence that have been withheld um, to give a flavor, to give a sense of the kinds of bits of evidence that were being sought by the defense. It was a very reasonable, modest request. We didn't ask for the hundreds and thousands of items. We just asked for about just over a hundred. But that apparently was too much because first of all, Stephen Kavanagh, the chief constable, did not deign to reply himself. He didn't have the courtesy to respond himself. Instead, he delegated it to a relatively junior officer to reply on behalf of Essex Police. And the key elements of that reply were that Essex Police believed that they had revealed or disclosed to the defense all relevant evidence, all relevant evidence. Uh, my immediate response is, or was, that it is not the power or property or role of the police to decide what evidence is relevant or not. They have a duty of full disclosure. And I have been involved in many campaigns and trials in the past. And I've never come across a case where the police have withheld evidence, and certainly not evident on this scale. Even when the police desperately wanted the person convicted, they have had the sense and the ethical responsibility to disclose all the evidence. And, and that is not what they did and have done in Jeremy's case. So to me, the withholding of evidence is a key element of Jeremy's challenge to his conviction and sentence. Um, he cannot be said by any reasonable person to have had a fair trial. You can only have a fair trial 
when all the evidence is disclosed. That has not happened in his case. So my response to the police was, since when in British law have they abrogated to themselves the right to decide what evidence is relevant and what is not? That is a quite unique, exceptional, and very, very rare uh, occurrence. So it's going against the, all the principles and precedents of police relationships with the defense and police relationships with the court. Again, it's another example of the exceptionalism of the way in which Jeremy's prosecution and conviction has been handled. It has not been handled in the way that normally a person accused of a crime would experience. It is very, very, very different. And I think that the battle to secure this evidence um, is, is absolutely crucial to challenging Jeremy's conviction and indeed getting a new fair trial. You know, by any sense of justice, if full evidence has not been disclosed in a trial, it is not a fair trial. It is not a trial in accordance with the fundamental principles of British justice. So that battle to secure disclosure must go on. And of course, I think that it's, there are many different ways we can pursue this, but two ways would be going back to the courts, the Court of Appeal, uh, which ruled, you know, what, three decades ago, that full disclosure must take place. But the police have not carried out that court instruction. Indeed, they have defied it, and they've got away with defying it. So I think we need to uh, think about going back to the Court of Appeal to point out that the police have not complied with the instruction, the clear, unequivocal instruction to disclose evidence. Now, it's true they did disclose some evidence. This is just like going through the motion of fulfilling the court order. But the point is, they did not disclose most of the evidence. So going back to the Court of Appeal is one option. The second one is, is going back to um, the Home Secretary. The Home Secretary has ultimate responsible for criminal justice in this country. And the Home Secretary should be pressed to require the police to disclose that withheld evidence. Now, I have sought through Baroness Jenny Jones, the Green Member of the House of Lords, to get the disclosure of this evidence via the Home Office. The Home Office response has been that this should really be handled by um, the um, police inquiry that's ongoing. That there's a police inquiry inquiry that's ongoing um, and so far we have not seen any uh, not, not an inquiry about Jeremy Bamber's case it's, it's, a, it's another inquiry but the, the Home Secretary is basically batting this backwards and forwards to other agencies saying that they have a responsibility to disclose this evidence 
she is washing her hands of her responsibility as the Home Secretary in charge of criminal justice in this country to ensure that the evidence is disclosed. So I'm going to continue to press uh, Baroness Gen Jenny Jones to further pursue this because we really cannot have the Home Secretary failing to respond to a member of parliament's legitimate request and failing to ensure that court orders are complied with. Now, another issue which I think we need to look at as a campaign, but not all of you may be up for this, is how can we use protest as a means to highlight the injustices of this case? Um, and I think that uh, there is no doubt in my mind, from my experience over five decades, the protest can be a very useful way of highlighting injustice. You know, the point of a protest is, of course, to hold people in power to account. But it's equally important to do a protest that will get media coverage and thereby raise public awareness through that media reportage about a particular issue. Now, over the years, I've done so many protests for causes that have been very little known, very little understood, very poorly publicized, but through protests, awareness has been created, public momentum for change has been um, cured, occurred or motivated. And on top of that, the people in power, in the light of that publicity, have felt pressured to act. Now, I'm not saying this will work, but I'm saying it might work. And in my experience in the past, it has worked. So I would like to see a picket of the Essex Chief Constable. I think Stephen Kavanagh has, has retired or is about to retire, but we can perhaps revisit it with another letter to the new Chief Constable when he comes into office. And if he doesn't get a satisfactory response, do a public picket of Essex Police Headquarters to demand public disclosure. And of course, invite the TV, radio, and the press. Now, I think that that may be one way of raising more public awareness about the police withholding of evidence. And that might, in conjunction with letters to the Home Secretary, another letter to the Chief Constable, perhaps a letter to the Court of Appeal, this might collectively, all these different measures, may produce further disclosure. Um, certainly, everybody I've spoken to about the case, even those who have no particular opinion about Jeremy's guilt or innocence, and in fact don't know much about the case at all, they've all been horrified to think that the police um, did not disclose evidence. Uh, several of them reminded me of the case of a young man who was convicted of rape. Um, eventually, after adverse publicity about the withholding of evidence, his conviction was overturned. Now, there's an example where shining a light, a spotlight on an injustice, the withholding of evidence in a rape case led to that person who had been imprisoned being released. Another issue I'd like to flag up is, of course, 
the whole life terror, the fact that Jeremy is in prison and not ever going to be able to be released, even though I think it was the European Court of Human Rights ruled that the whole life tariff was unjust uh, discrimination, that it was not consistent with human rights law. Now, I don't know where the campaign has got with that issue, but perhaps someone will apprise me when I'm finished speaking. But again, that's an issue which I think we should very strongly pursue, and I know you have pursued it, but I think we need to find ways to pursue it in a more perhaps dramatic and visual, perhaps protest way, perhaps in terms of more letters to key people. Um, I know that quite a number of you have already written to your members of parliament, um, drawing Jeremy's case to their attention. And some of you have called for members of parliament to ask parliamentary questions. Um, that is a very good move as well. I know also some of you have been rebuffed because you don't live in the constituency of the MP or the MP says Jeremy Bamba was not a constituent of mine. So in those cases, you can't do much because that is the convention. The convention is that members of parliament only take up casework from four people who were their constituencies or constituency in their constituency or were their constituents. So if, if, if Jeremy wasn't an MP's constituent, then uh, they are entitled to say to do nothing. Although morally, <laughs> of course, if they had any decency, they would at least uh, do something. But of course, members of the House of Lords are not similarly constrained. So there is the option, if you know of any members of the House of Lords, to write to them, to ask them to write to the Home Secretary to question um, Jeremy's continued detention well beyond the years he was originally sentenced for. He's gone way, way, way beyond that original sentence. And the whole life tariff is unlawful. So why is he still in prison? Why hasn't he been released? That would be a very good question. Maybe search out members of the House of Lords who have an interest in civil liberties and human rights. Uh, you can probably do a Google search and find a few names and then uh, write, write to them. Um, there is, um, uh, uh, you go on the, the House of Lords website, I think it gives the names and email addresses or indeed the postal address of members of the House of Lords. So that's, that's another, another option. Um, for those of you who live in Essex, of course, you could petition um, members of Essex, uh, Essex County Council. Um, they could be pressed to take up the case with the police and the Home Secretary. There's a very good website called writetothem.com, as in R-I-T-E-T-O, T-H-E-M, write to them.com. If you go on that website and put in your postcode, it will tell you the name of your member of parliament, um, your local councillors, uh, and other elected officials. So you can very easily email 
your member of parliament, and indeed, if you live in Essex, your Essex county councillors, or indeed uh, closer to home, uh, the councillors uh, who uh, are responsible or represent the area of Tolson Darcy, where the murders took place um, and, and where Jeremy lived. So that's another, another possible option. Um, I would say also that um, you might want to think about um, having a new push at engaging organizations like Liberty and Justice. These are the two main civil liberty organizations in this country, and they have considerable clout and influence. Now, forgive me, I don't know for sure what, if anything, in the past, liberty or justice have done on Jeremy's case. But I do know that they have often, not always, because they have, do have limited resources and staff, they have often in the past taken up cases of people unjustly imprisoned and helped support campaigners uh, in their quest. And of course, a letter from Liberty to the Home Secretary or Liberty asking members of parliament to ask parliamentary questions uh, does carry some considerable weight. Again, it's no panacea, no automatic solution, but I would say that liberty and justice, um, they would be very good allies to get on side. So I think finally I'd say that um, whatever you do, do not give up. I know some of you have been campaigning for so many years and you know it's fantastic the commitment, the effort, the patience, the determination and the passion you have shown, it is truly inspirational. And I know things often look so bleak, you know, the case for either a retrial or the overturning of Jeremy's conviction is so strong, it is incredibly frustrating that no action has been taken. But I urge you just to hold the faith, to hold on to that hope, to hold on to your commitment to get Jeremy justice. And, you know, remember, 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 there have been so many cases, uh, including just a few very recently, of people who had been in prison for 30 or more years, who had finally had their convictions overturned and been released. So it is possible. Now, I was very much involved in supporting the campaign to free the Birmingham Six, who were falsely jailed for the Birmingham pub bombings in the early 1970s. Uh, for many years, no progress was made. You know, people in power just looked the other way, they washed their hands, they did nothing. But the perseverance and patience of campaigners, and I was a very small minnow in the campaign, but people like Chris Mullen and others, uh, their patience paid off. In the end, the Birmingham Six were free. So let's hope that with your ongoing work, your awesome, inspiring, amazing, incredible work, that Jeremy will get a review of his case and eventually get his conviction overturned. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Peter. That, that was uh, some very helpful insights indeed. Uh, we're very grateful to you for keeping up the pressure on the Home Secretary. That, that will be extremely useful. Uh, and also what you said about 
possibility of using protests was, was very interesting as well. Uh, I know from having watched, watched the Netflix documentary how effectively you've used that in the past. So should our current uh, submissions to the CCRC not succeed, that, it, that is certainly an avenue I think we should give serious consideration to. So thank you very much indeed. Uh, do you have time to take a few questions? Yes, I'd be very happy to take a few questions. That's great. Has anybody got a question for Peter? Oh, we had some sent in, Philip, didn't we? Have you got Yes, those? we did. Um, one, I think, was from William, wasn't it? Um, who asked a sort of general uh, question. If and when Jeremy's conviction is overturned, uh, what do you think would be, if any, the major changes in the criminal justice system that might result to that? I mean, clearly disclosure is one of the areas. Uh, do you think there's anything else that might be susceptible to change as a result? Well, one would like to think that there would be substantive changes. Um, that, that would be the logical and the moral thing to do. But there's been so many examples, similar examples, of people unjustly convicted, many of whom spent long periods in prison, uh, and the system didn't change. You know, it just carried on as before. Um, you got the case recently of the um, building workers in the 1970s, including the actor Ricky Tomlinson, um, who had their conviction overturned just a few weeks ago <laughs> after over 40 years, uh, or almost 40 years. Um, but nothing has changed. The system still carries on as before. So I agree that part of this campaign should have the vision of trying to not only get Jeremy's conviction overturned, but also getting reforms to the criminal justice system so that other people don't go through these kinds of injustices. And one of the key things is, you know, reiteration and, and, and a system to protect the fundamental right to full disclosure. So that's, that's something yeah. that, um, that we do plan to do once we've uh, achieved Jeremy's justice. But I just like to say about the Lords, um, we wrote to a lot of Lords uh, who were involved and MPs who were involved in the APPG, the Miscarriages of Justice, well, quite a number of weeks ago now, with, with the support of yourself and with the support of Ron Bailey, and we haven't had a single response. We had one reply to say, I'm not involved with it anymore. And that was the only response we've had. So even when you're approaching those people, they just choose to ignore us for a lot of the time, which that's got to change as well, because they've got to, I mean, disclosure is absolutely huge in Jeremy's case. And like you say, we won't let it drop. You know, whatever it takes, we will get there. And then hopefully that will reflect onto mirror onto other cases. And then this isn't going to happen in the future to anybody else. It's just Can I just ask you, Yvonne, uh, I'm not sure, have you actually requested a meeting with the APPG? We did actually say we'd have a meeting with them on the original letter. Yeah, yeah. We haven't even had a reply to the original letter. So I would suggest maybe trying to phone the chair or secretary of that APPG on miscarriages of justice. Yeah. Own them up and 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 try and press for a meeting. I think a, a meeting is the probably the, the key thing, because a meeting face to face 
often tend to get better results than just email or letter exchanges. Yeah, definitely. Can I ask Peter a question? Yeah, how Mike, is, Michael, go ahead. How big a stumbling block do you think it is that the Home Secretary's constituency actually happens to be with him in Essex? I am certain, knowing the Home Secretary, that she doesn't want to upset the police. You know, she 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 poses as a great as a great law and order Home Secretary, and is desperate to be on side with the police. So she is definitely an obstacle, and I'm certainly that I'm certain that she would not want to, um, you know, um, create waves with Essex police. But on the other hand, occasionally she has done things, you know, that are, are not to form in the sense she, she's, she's, she's gone a bit rogue according to her own profile. So the hope is that with pressure, she can be, can, can be pressed to, to you know, make new approaches to Essex police to get disclosure but of course as i said none of this is a done deal we, we are up against a system that yeah. exists to protect itself you know the system is there to self-perpetuate to hop you know you know protect each other's backs um and justice seems to come secondary to all of that and uh, miss patel peter has actually spoken in the comments about jeremy shouldn't even have a campaign She's very anti Jeremy. Yeah, yeah. Raised a lot of issues. So yeah. I think I think if she resigned, it would not be half the battle as far as we're concerned. But I don't think that's going to happen in the near future. Well, although, although none of her predecessors have much help either. <laughs> Nobody's yeah. been any help, Peter. It's yeah. like yeah. we just bang our heads against the wall. Yeah. But uh, as you said, Peter, the fact that Essex police seem to have set themselves up as as both. Uh, you know, um, judge and jury in this case, as far as disclosure is concerned, is I'm sure something you've seen in the many totalitarian regimes you've tackled in the past. I mean, it is very concerning that that sort of thing should be happening here. Yeah, I mean, it, it highlights a fundamental flaw in our system. Um, you know, the criminal justice system in Britain is far better than in many countries, but it's far from perfect. And, and this case, highlight ways in which it is far from perfect um, and and Yvonne is right you know once this case is won or even perhaps before it's won um, there are many other campaigns that also uh, are in the same boat where there's highly questionable evidence evidence mostly not evidence withheld but, but often disputable questionable evidence um, that the authorities have just brushed under the carpet mm. but you know perhaps working with the other campaigns i can't remember the name there's a young guy luke in scotland who's been yeah, luke, mitchell. luke mitchell that's right yeah i think someone from his campaign might be here but but yeah we do we are in contact with them so, yeah because uh, we, we should all be supporting each other you know mm, yeah, yeah definitely but i mean for your experience of other common law jurisdictions, you know, Canada, the US and, and whatever. I mean, they all seem to have tackled this issue of disclosure, you know, quite some time ago. We, we seem to be the laggards on this. Well, that is true. <laughs> um, the mother of parliaments <laughs> yes. has been the mother of all injustices in many cases. And, yeah. you know, it, 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 is, it is sad that 
Britain, which pioneered many good human rights and criminal justice reforms, is lagging so far behind uh, many other comparable countries. Can I add one more? Can I add one more thing? This is rotten to the core. No, sorry, team. sorry, Michael. Sorry, Helen. Can we just go to Helen B? She's had her hand up. So if we could okay, go to Helen, I'll come back to you, Michael. Is that all yeah, right? No problem. No problem, darling. Um, yeah, I was just wondering: is there any mileage in literally saturating the uh, publicity to all of the MPs and almost like just actually copying the same letter with the same request to every single MP and every single member of the House of Lords in the hope that? Some of them may have a conscience and from a moral perspective think this isn't right. In other words, literally just saturate them all with it. I think the problem is, as I said, the MPs convention is that they don't take up cases that do not involve their constituents in their constituency. So that's, that, that's, that's the big problem. I really think that personal contact is the best way. If you can find a way to get a personal contact with a member of the House of Lords, uh, with members of Liberty or Justice, if you get that personal contact, that massively increases the likelihood of them taking up the case. So the other option, you said that it's generally um, an MP that you're either your MP or the MP of the person involved, which is obviously Jeremy. Is there any point in multiple letters going to the same MP about the same thing, or again, just that isn't going to make any difference? Well, I think the, the, the core thing has to be directed to the MP who represents the constituency where Jeremy lived. Yeah, that, so if, if everybody wrote, if, if multiple letters were written to that one MP, would that make any difference? Or generally, they'd just have a carte blanche response and they'd just keep sending it back to everybody that wrote in? Well, I think... Uh, particularly if you write as a voter in your constituency, I am very concerned about a possible miscarriage of justice in the case of Jeremy Bamba. I found it much more effective rather than saying that Jeremy is innocent, saying there are serious grave doubts yeah. about the safety of his conviction. Safety of the conviction, yeah. yeah. That's, a that's a better approach, which tends to have um, a stronger take up and response from people because you're not you're not making a black and white yeah, it's decision. less inflammatory yeah yeah, yeah. Well, it, it may be entirely right but it, it's it's probably not the way to to get and engage their attention so i think you know if, if it's pitched around the lack the, the, the fact that his conviction is not safe that yeah. the withholding of evidence makes it unsafe and that he had an unfair trial and unfair appeals um, that is the way to go, I think. That, that, in my experience, gets a much more positive response from people. Thank that, you. That's certainly the way that we approached the APPG. We, we put it in broader terms that it was the ignoring of the three court orders and, and the lack of disclosure, which was the real central issue we were pressing them yeah. on. Um, and the fact that Essex police do seem to have, in effect, put themselves above the law in terms mm -hmm. of ignoring three court orders. Uh, uh, again, smacks of totalitarianism. Uh, yeah. Can you remind me, um, Philip, what action is being taken to challenge that what, well, the police are ignoring those orders? A number of things. We have actually gone back to the Court of Appeal and had initial discussions about with them about um, in, enforcing the court orders. Uh, but the main thing we did was the judicial review in June of last year, where 
we, because the CPS had refused to disclose some of the material covered by the court order, we asked for that to be judicially reviewed and presented the 27 specific documents we were after. Um, and it was as a result of that judicial review, which although it didn't rule in our favor, the judge came out and strongly recommended that the CCRC should look at this again, uh, with the implication that they should have access to this material. Uh, and obviously the submissions we've made at the beginning of this year would ask that they do that. So hopefully that avenue with a ineffectively, with, in effect with a judicial endorsement, hopefully will kick them into action basically. But we are ready to go back to the Court of Appeal on the court orders, we've got a document ready to go, um, which lists basically everything, but we're holding fire on legal advice at the moment because they said, see what happens with the CCRC on the specific requests that we've made, because things are ongoing with them at the moment. We know that they are making some disclosure applications. And so we don't want to tread on their toes now by going to the Court of Appeal and like superseding their decision. And so, we're hanging fire for the moment till we've had their results and then we'll take it from there. But I'm all up for a protest. <laughs> Going back to my point about the importance and significance of getting, um, making personal contacts and getting uh, you know, a personal commitment. In the case of the Birmingham Six, what was really crucial was getting the Labour MP Chris Mullen on board. He then became the powerhouse of the campaign, and he he like like a dog with a bone. He just wouldn't 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 let it go, and just kept at it year after year after year until eventually it did get referred back to the Court of Appeal, and the convictions were overturned. What you need to find is a version of Chris Mullen for yeah. um, for Jeremy. Yeah, well, we I did. Don't know if, Sorry, I don't on. know if Chris. I don't know if Chris is a member of the House of Lords. I can't remember. I don't, I don't think he is, but he might be. And he'd be a very. If he is a member of the House of Lords, he'd be a very good person to approach. And yeah, you certainly that. mentioned that I recommended him. Oh right, yeah, no, that that's a very useful suggestion. I mean, years ago we did have Andrew Hunter, who who's the MP for Basingstoke, but uh, unfortunately he's no longer in Parliament, and we've we've struggled to get anybody to. The champion, what you know, in political terms, is not a popular cause, yeah. um, as you will know, you know, so well from you know the Birmingham Six experience. Um, you know, speaking up on their behalf was, was not something that earned you great, uh, great um, popularity. I think one of the major obstacles, as well, with Jeremy's case, is like you say that he is a whole half tariff, and so they say. But I'm going to prove that he isn't in a bit. Yeah. But that has so many wider implications on the whole of the justice system that mm. the bar is so high for Jeremy because what we've submitted is one of the issues which contains multiple grounds would be ample somebody else protesting about the safety of their conviction whereas with Jeremy we've had to put so many in to undermine every single thing that we can because the bar is so high, because they have a habit of going, oh yeah, but you've done that, but no, but what about that? And so we have to, we've had to make sure, this is why it's taken a long time to put them together, that every single angle is covered and every comeback they might have 
we've already covered that. We are very, very, very hopeful that we're going to get the referral and that the CPS won't contest it because mm. we don't see how they can. Sorry, it appears to me that are up to the call, though. I mean, how many inquiries have there been? I mean, we've had the Dickinson inquiry, we've had the Stoke and Church inquiry. They've all held withheld evidence as well. With a cult, the Chilean police. You can't count Dickinson because that was Essex Police investigating Essex Police. So that's I, not going to come back can I just, with any negativity. Is that not going to get worse? Sorry, sorry, Laura. Don't worry, yeah. I, I was just going to say something um, about our good friend Priti Patel, who is coincidentally and unfortunately Jeremy's MP. And I'd written to her about eight years ago. And, as you say, Peter and I sort of said, well, I don't think this is right and, you know, perhaps you could look into it. I just got this sort of fairly pompous letter back saying um, it was all looked at, but Jeremy's case has been referred to the CCRC and, you know, it was found that there was nothing wrong with it and nothing wrong with his conviction and goodbye. Right. Left it about three years. In the meantime, even more stuff is coming out. Wrote to her again. And that time I got an even more pompous letter back. At least she did write back. And she wasn't the Home Secretary at the time saying, You've brought this up before. And I've already told you to naff off, sort of thing. That was basically the gist of the letter. And now, unfortunately, she's the Home Secretary. I feel that Pretty Patel knows fine well that Jeremy didn't do it. Or if she doesn't know, then she's willfully being ignorant and blind and stupid and it's really hard to get past her in my experience maybe mm. the way to well maybe the way to go is via one of her you know under secretaries but then again you can only really get to them if you're if, if jeremy was 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 one of their constituents or you know it's not impossible but it's very rare for mp to take up cases that do not involve their constituency their own constituents. We've actually got a question in the comments. Sorry, can I just, we've got a question in the comments from Tom, uh, which constituency is currently regarded as Jeremy's, local to prison or Patel's, or can he choose? Wakefield. And he, he, the previous MP, Mary Craig, was, was very helpful. Uh, she dedicated quite a bit of time to Jeremy's cause. Um, but the new MP who came in at the last election, although Jeremy had written, uh, written to him several times, but with no response so far. So um, obviously the, the help from that source has, uh, has decreased significantly. Can I, make a, can I make a couple of points? Yeah, Dennis, go ahead. Firstly, Peter, uh, it's nice to meet you and thanks for all the work you've done over many years for human rights. It's nice to be able to say that personally to you. Um, a couple of just a, a point of interest um, myself and Trudy Benjamin actually got a motion passed at the Liberty AGM about four years ago uh, about disclosure and about specifically Jeremy's case. It was actually passed, but nothing was ever really done about it. And maybe we didn't follow it up enough. But that's fairly typical, in fact, of Liberty uh, motions that you, they get passed, but then they just mm -hmm. follow their own agenda anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's worth a try, and that might be something to remind them of, but um, it's, uh, it's also, I, I don't think their heart is really in this campaign at the moment. Mm. Um, the, the other point, I just wanted to sort of clarify the legal provision. I wonder when you got your reply from the police, Peter, whether they quoted the non-judgment at you, because 
theoretically that's kind of the legal position at the moment which was a, a judgment of the supreme court in 2014 which essentially uh, put the mockers on post-trial disclosure uh, it's created this sort of situation where it said well we're not ruling out post-trial disclosure if there's a good reason for it so if you can see that the new what you're disclosing is going to reveal something new then it should be allowed but of course you don't know that until you get it you don't know what you don't know um but according to the non-gesture judgment the the ctrc now have responsibility for post-trial disclosure which of course is crazy because only a lot of people don't have access to the ctr they're not uh, eligible for it they haven't yet had an appeal so that's ridiculous for a start I'm not sure how it stands with Jeremy because the non-disclosure is so long-standing. But I wonder if the police, the police often these days will hide behind the non-judgment. They'll say we have no obligation to disclose, which is not quite true. Um, but the disclosure obligation lies with the CCRC. Well, just to reassure you, they did not quote the non-judgment at all and made no reference to any, any legal statute or ruling in a court. They just simply said that they believed they had disclosed all relevant evidence. That was that was the that was the tenor, the basic point of their reply. That's all they said. Dennis, the judge in the judicial review I mentioned last June did specify that we had not met the none threshold. So he he specifically says that, but he then went on to recommend that the CCRC should use their powers to look at the case. So in, in a sense, they were contradictory positions, but in practice, it now means that the CCRC hopefully will look at it you know, thoroughly and properly. Question to Philip. Philip, what exactly, we more or less figured it out. Have they created a law that they can hide behind? In, to, well, in essence, <laughs> yes, basically. I mean, Sorry. Dennis, it, it seems to me that none is fundamentally flawed anyway, because, I mean, as Peter has pointed out, there is a common law obligation for full disclosure. So yeah. any, any restrictions on that, which is in effect what none puts in place, surely goes contrary to that basic principle. Well, well there's, there's no, to my knowledge, no, no I'm not clear wisdom on this, but to my knowledge, there's no common law post-trial disclosure. And even pre-trial is subject to the 1996 Act, so uh, the responsibility disclosure lies initially with the prosecution. The defence can then, uh, you know, request other stuff, but there's certainly not an obligation for full disclosure. Uh, that's that doesn't ex even exist pre-trial. But but wouldn't you think that the right to a fair trial strongly implies full disclosure, as, as Peter quite rightly pointed out earlier? Absolutely, which is one of the reasons we don't have fair trials in this country. Hmm. Yeah, well, we're, we're caught in a bit of a catch-22 at the moment, till hopefully a case like Jeremy's, you know, prompts that change in that regime. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the JR Judicial Review last year actually did prompt an amendment to the non-ruling, which was quoted Jeremy's case and said, can't go to the CPS, now it's got to go to the CCRC. So. I mean, they say they've a threshold on the nuns. So you've got to prove what you want, why you want it, and what it shows, where it undermines conviction. We did all that. We did all that. We gave them the, the Holmes box reference numbers. We gave them everything. And still they said no. 
So they just make the wheels to go along, actually. I mean, if the law did say cases after 2014 couldn't hide behind the nun law because they created this law, I could understand it. No, no they, back, they, they put it back. They retrospectively do it. But, yeah, you said <laughs> Can I please apologise? I have got another event in four, five, four or five minutes. So oh, I need to go. Yvonne has some very important <laughs> information and, uh, <laughs> you know, to give. So I don't want to encroach on Yvonne's time. So you're all right, Peter. But thank oh, you so yeah. much. We're, we're so grateful for you giving up your time, Peter. It's much appreciated. And well, uh, I'm 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 incredibly grateful for you who've sustained this campaign all these years. It's been a you've had such an uphill struggle. The obstacles, the odds against you have been so great, but you've stuck at it. It's a huge tribute to your personal integrity, passion, and determination that you've continued this campaign. So, you know, oh, I, I'm in, in awe of you. I'm in awe of all, awe, 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 awe of all of you. I've, I've got to rush. I've only got two minutes to get online for the next Thank one. You so, so much, Peter. Thank, Thank you, Peter. You Keep up the great work. I'm right. full of admiration. Thank, Thank you very much. Yeah. Speak to you soon. Bye -bye. Thank Bye -bye. you. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to do something to help Jeremy Bamber, then sign our online petition to the Home Secretary for the disclosure of case documents that are still withheld by Essex Police. Visit www.change.org and search for Jeremy Bamba. Don't forget to share the link with your friends and family.